Welcome to the Legendary Upside Podcast. My name is Pat Brain. You can find all of my content at legendaryupside.com. Today, I'm joined by Sacrilegious and Will, one of the data scientists at SaberSim. We're going to be talking through uh, some, some pretty interesting stuff, uh, looking at correlation as we think through building out these playoff best ball teams, how uh, kind of Correlation works at sort of the the top and bottom of the ranges because we're thinking about these teams actually winning and losing games and how do we use the the way that these guys are all correlated together to make better decisions in drafts. And Will has been able to put together a little bit of a correlation matrix for us to help think through that. So excited to talk through all of that. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Excited to be here. Doing well. I'm I'm super excited for this show. Honestly, when I reached out to Will to try and book him, I this was purely selfish. I wanted <laughs> I wanted this information for my own uh, edification. And uh, you know, I've been just a, a little plug for Sabersim. I've been super happy with everything Will and the whole team's got going on over there. They've been crushing this season. Uh, I've been theoretically crushing. I grade out really well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see important part. Yeah, exactly. You know, over over the infinite sample, that's what we're shooting for. But anyway, I thought this would be a really valuable topic to dive into, especially with some of the questions that I've been seeing recently about, well, I'm really thin to advance out of round one. Uh, you know, I've only got, I got four players from one team as, as four of my five active guys in round one because I got a bunch of bi-week players. And I think that people are kind of missing the forest for the trees here. And, and there's two parts to it. The first part is round one is the easiest round to advance, right? If specifically, we'll talk about it in context. We're talking the specifically the, the gauntlet, which is two. Yeah. So in underdogs, the gauntlet, you got to get through the first round of the playoffs, two of six teams, because there's six team drafts, two of those teams advance through round one. And then what is it in round two? Is it one of two of two of 14 and then one of, of eight? Two of 14 and then one of eight. And obviously you're going to have less alive players the further you go because teams are going to get eliminated. So it's hard to have a full 10 team, 10 player roster once you get to the conference championship. And that's one of eight. And then you get to the final and you have to win a 400 person final. So getting through round one is important, obviously, but it's actually the easiest part of it. And the other cool wrinkle, and this is, I, I think Will will be able to shed some light on this part. In round one, you're the only one with the copies of your players. It's not like you get to have Amari Cooper and someone else has Amari Cooper and he goes nuke and then you've got to win the 4v4. It's like if Amari Cooper goes nuke in round one of the playoffs and you're the guy that has him, you're the one that benefits. And it, it can be enough to just advance you from that alone. So we asked Will to put together some correlation matrices uh, to look at different parts of the players' ranges of outcomes. And I want to kick it over to Will and let him share his screen here and kind of take us through how players on the same team correlate and how that changes when players are having good or bad games. And then maybe we'll think through how we can apply this to playoff best ball. Yeah, all right. So can you guys see this all right? Yep. Like this? Yep. All right. So here is just the... this is I just grabbed 10,000 Sims of the Dallas-Detroit game playing tomorrow for for this um just grab ten thousand sims and no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh so this is the full uh ten thousand sims of like what their correlation matrix and this isn't uh should emphasize so correlation itself uses normal distributions which you know can apply roughly but aren't great for actual sports um so this is just sort of a, a modified correlation calculation if you will 
Um, so it's it's rough. It's a rough estimate of what uh, you know correlation would be, but it's not the exact number. So this is just you know their base rates, and then uh, separated out into Dak Prescott games. So here's his uh, when he scores between his 25th and 50th percentile. The correlations obviously go way down for him in CD because you know CD can still have a good game if he catches a touchdown, but if Dak's having a bad game, um, and we can cycle it through for all of the different things, and you can see at the high end, it's like a huge benefit to CD and Jake. So yeah, talk talk with this. So that number one point. <clears throat> sorry, so CD Lamb and Dak Prescott have a correlation of of one point two. Right. What yeah, is so that? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so it's not a, it's not a correlation coefficient in the sense of like their two arrays taking the correlation of that. What it is doing is taking um, their Z score in each thing. So it's um, you know if Dak Prescott has a 90th percentile game, let's just say 95th to use the empirical rule. That's two standard deviations. Uh, so all of his things are two plus Z score in the 95th plus percentile. This is then looking at what CD Lamb's Z-score, like what his percentile is in each of those sims and what that corresponding Z-score is, multiplying that and then averaging that. Um, so it's not correlation in the in the sense of explained variance, which is how it's typically interpreted. Um, this is sort of like saying relative to their base mean, what are their Z-scores in this subset? And so since this subset has extremely high Z-scores, um, the the relative mean is going to be significantly higher. Um, like CD Lamb's 50th percentile in Dak Prescott 90 plus percentile games is 24. And in the base, it's 18. So that like that shifts what the mean is for that calculation, if that makes sense. So it's interesting because Tony Pollard here in the 90th percentile is uh much less correlated than than the pass catchers, which makes sense. What was he in the bad games? In the bad games, they, again, the, yeah. So this is to the other players. So, oh, so it's his correlation to the other players, not to Dak. So here's his to here's his to Dak. Oh, is okay. right here to Dak. Okay, okay, yeah. So and his so his, his correlation game. to Dak is lower in the bad games, but yeah, he's essentially independent to Dak in Dak's yeah. bad games. Interesting. Okay. As most so, of the other players are. And so that's a spot that I think is really important to talk about because in playoff best ball, oftentimes the optimal way to construct your, your lineups is going to be having three, four, five, even sometimes six players all from one team. And so then we get into this situation where let's talk about what happens when the team just has an okay game, either the 25th to 50th percentile or, you know, slightly above maybe 50th to 75th percentile outcome. And we can look at those correlations. And really what I want to kind of dive into here is in the games where Dak doesn't do, you know, so great for me. So maybe this 25th to 50th percentile range, am I still able to get there enough with my lineup from my, you know, effectively my Cowboys onslaught, I might get, you know, one or two other players from different teams chipping in a score. But in these games where the Cowboys put up a lower scoring team total here, you know, are, are we going to get enough to be able to advance here? So how do you how do you think the the correlation matrix bears that out? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. I mean, so you can see most players to DAC are, are relatively independent. But then obviously, like pass catchers like CD and Jake have a strong negative correlation which makes sense if Dak Prescott's only throwing you know two touchdowns um 
it's unlike like you know they're they're not both going to catch multiple basically mm -hmm. um so i think that you know it does sort of hurt stack equity obviously um if you're if your team's not scoring as much points but as far as like the individual pieces they're they're relatively independent of each other um during those like lower outcomes and then this is a, a question that I, I probably should have asked you beforehand because I'm sure you have some really fancy stuff you could cook up for us here. But um, in games where the Cowboys are losing, do you think that this 25th to 50th percentile band is going to represent more games where the Cowboys lose than games when they win? Like, for example, with the 50th to 75th percentile for Cowboys represent disproportionately a little more games where they would win? I would probably assume so. Uh, yeah, if you mentioned before, I definitely would have um, added like a win-loss one here that breaks that out, but I didn't grab that data here. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd assume so because you, you'd think, you know, quarterback's performance is obviously correlated with the success of the team. Um, granted, like there's some things like the shootout element and stuff like that, but I'd say typically, yeah, that the their losses, I'd, I'd certainly guess that they have more losses here than losses here. Okay. And so, yeah, let's, let's stay on this 50 to 75th percentile page for a second, because what we're thinking about in playoff best ball is when we get these big team stacks and specifically when we're stacking with a quarterback, since we're usually only doing single quarterback builds, except for, you know, bi-week teams, we're saying that this team is winning all the way to the Super Bowl. And so if the team keeps winning, I think it's relatively safe to assume for the most part, we're going to, we're going to land in this above 50th percentile outcomes for most of the games. Sometimes we might get one in there that's in the, in the lower range. But when we look at this distribution and, and these correlations to me, and especially when we start looking at the, the player point totals here for their different percentiles, to me, I just kind of start mentally assembling what a lineup would look like where I've got, and, and like getting a Pollard, lamb dak ferguson stack is pretty easy right now in contests and so if i just get like a 50th percentile outcome from all of them here like that's looking pretty good to me to advance in in yeah, round ferguson one and lamb here you do have to factor that into their medians and so so like if i was going to do the quick mental math of it you know obviously this isn't going to be exactly correct but if i just say all right ferguson's going to get about 80 percent of his production there that i'm looking at so instead of 10 he gets eight and then, you know, maybe instead yeah. of, uh, or, or if I do it for CD, maybe instead of 20 CD gets 16 and still, you know, with, with 16 from CD and 14 from Pollard, that's 30 and my 25 from Dak, like that right there is probably enough to advance me. Yeah. I, <laughs> you certainly know more than I would. Do yeah. So sect, what do you think? Like you think two out of six, if we get that, I mean, cause you know, you're going to be going against teams that built out, you know, they're Kyron Williams, Puka, Cooper Cup, you know, and just played probably overspent to advance that around one. But you're thinking if we get, you know, a solid game from CD or a good game from Ferguson and a good game from Dak that we're, we're already in good shape. Yeah, I think the the avenue that I'm thinking down is if I've got these bigger team stacks in round one and maybe I have fewer active players because i've got a couple of players on by and i am going against the guy that's got 10 active in round one you know and he's he's just got a rainbow team it's all different nfl teams he's got seven different teams in there everyone's active they're all high projected players sure i'm going to be a dog to beat that guy but again i only have to beat four people right only two out of six advance 
And and really getting these big team stacks and having them on a team that we think is going to win in round one, to me, looks like that's going to be strong enough that you're advancing, you know, if a little bit under like what the expected rate is of 33%. By the time you get to round two, because you've been building out your teams in a way that you're you're considering the tournament holistically, you're not just playing for round one, all these teams that are specifically optimizing for round one are going to start getting crushed in these later rounds. And so if you sacrifice a few percentage points of advance rate out of the first round, but then you've got all of these much better constructed teams for the later rounds, I think the little bit that you give up really isn't going to hurt you in the big picture for this tournament. It is interesting. So if we go to the 90th percentile tab here. This one? Yeah, the 90 plus. Okay. So that it's inter the interesting thing, right? Is that's where you start. It's still not a big uh, correlation to Tony Pollard and Dak, but that's the biggest one that we see. Yep, I think that's yeah, significantly so. Which is, I think, another reason, and this has been a point of emphasis for for us, Zach. It's something that you wrote about on on the article on legendary upside as being really important is pairing your running back with your quarterback. Yeah, and and I think this helps to illustrate why when things are going well for you, when you are when your team is that the NFL team is advancing through the actual NFL playoff gauntlet, it you know you, you got a, a disproportionate chance then to find some of these. 90 plus percentile outcomes right if the team is winning you're you're going to be sampling from these better outcomes more than you'd be sampling from the you know sub 25 percent or the 25 to 50 set of the their distribution and so when it does go really well for you that's where you just get to absolutely cook and push this team you know through really easy like just a just a Dak and pollard combo you know in round two of the playoffs here might be enough to get you through, especially, you know, when we consider that a lot of the teams that are advancing from round one might not be thoughtfully constructed. And they've got a ton of dead players where when we get a team out of round one, we're looking at, you know, mo hopefully eight plus, you know, to 10 live players because we're really optimizing for the conference championship round. And so, Will, uh, another thing that I wanted to, to ask here. So you were explaining how this isn't like a typical correlation matrix, how people think about it. It's not a coefficient of correlation. It's their Z-score. And so can you can you explain that for people that aren't going to be as statistically minded? Explain, let's, let's use Pollard and Dak for an example here. And so explain what that means uh, with respect to Dak and Pollard here. Yeah, I'll, so I'll try. It's a it's a bit tricky and it's also something that I've not, uh, not touched in a while. So I don't want to like... Forgive me if I'm off in a few places. I don't um, know who would call you out on this one. <laughs> <laughs> if my math professor sees this, I promise <laughs> I paid attention in class. Um, <laughs> it's basically, um, you know, so correlation is, is typically derived from like, you know, two normally distributed uh, distributions. And especially like when we're skewing to like the 90 plus, plus percentile of, you know, a player like Dak Prescott here. Um, his distribution is not going to be normally distributed and Tony Pollard's isn't. And so if we just take the correlation of those two numbers, um, it's not going to be really representative of what, you know, 
what the impact of one is on the other. Um, and then the other issue with it is specifically for this, where we wanted to isolate, you know, the 90 plus percentile deck, um, his new mean is something like, you know, 35, 36 points here. Um, whereas his base mean or whatever it is, is around 24. Um, and so if we're just taking the correlation, it's basing it off of the mean of this sample. Um, and so we're just getting the, you know, what is the correlation between, you know, Dak Prescott with a mean of 35 and Tony Pollard with a mean of 15, as opposed to what their base means are, um, which isn't. I, sorry, really... I just want to uh, zoom out a little bit with the, the normal distribution here. Like, is that when you're talking about how it's not normally distributed is because like a lot of the performances are sort of clustered and like fine. And then there's a few times where Dak's going like absolutely nuts. Like, is that kind of the idea or what um, can you expand just... on that idea a little bit more? I can just plot it really quick. That'll probably okay. be the easiest. Um, so, like, here's DAC in the 90th plus percentile. Surely they have a histogram somewhere. I don't use Excel as much as I should. Do they not have a histogram? Uh, I think it's oh, if you keep going here. Yeah, okay. So, that's. Here's We got to the secret histogram. That one's only for paying <laughs> subscribers. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, here's a look at what Dak's histogram looks like for 90 plus percentile. Um, which, if you were taking a normal distribution from the mean of 36 or whatever, simply not representative, right? Like, you see how that would be a wildly yeah. different shape. Um, I see. So, that's, that's essentially what we're trying to rectify here. Um, by converting everything into its percentile of the base of his full range of outcomes, like what percentile these is. So for mm -hmm. deck, they're all greater than 0.9. Um, and then from, yeah, from there, we're converting it to the z-score, and then we're doing a trick to multiply the z-scores. So z-scores are normally distributed. can multiply those together uh, and then take the sum of the two z-score arrays. Um, and that will get you a correlation estimate. But obviously, like when we're on the fringes, like we're at the very top end of the distribution, that's when it gets funky, which is why you have you know greater than one. Yeah, so that that actually helped clear it up a lot for me. And so I think for for anyone that might be watching, you're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> the, like, the, easiest... Crap, okay? I, I wanna... <laughs> the easiest way for me that made it click was when Will pointed to the Dak Prescott column there. So if you look over at column J, just these first four rows um, where it's showing us the uh, the Dak Prescott, you know, in the 25th, 50th, 75th and 90th percentile that'll kind of help clear it up for you because we're specifically looking for this is Dak Prescott above his 90th percentile. So we're just assuming these are Dak nuke games. How does everyone else look around Dak then? And so that's what all of these different tabs that Will has is helping us see when Dak explodes, what do the Cowboys look like? Well, when Dak explodes, we can see even even like a bad game from everyone else. Just say say this ended up being a Dak two rushing touchdown game. And so you get 25th percentile from everyone else. Dak put up 34. You're probably advancing. You know? <laughs> like you're good, especially in the first round. Two of six, you're the only one with Dak's 34. Don't worry about it. Like you're going to be just fine. Um, and so now that we kind of have a, we, we set the table for like what these, 
different correlation matrices are, like what we're actually looking at. Now let's go back to the 75th to 90 tab and kind of look at that. And so now we can see, here's the big difference. It's, it's what's happening to DAX projection here, right? So now instead of him having a mean of 34, he's looking at like a mean of about 30. So obviously this is still pretty good. We're 75th to 90th percentile. But that's really what we're trying to dive into today is depending on what happens to my quarterback in the team stack. And of course, you can slice it a million different ways. We could have looked at it as what happens to my running back in the team stack when the running back's having his different outcomes, right? But I think that because our largest team stacks are typically going to be the ones with the quarterback, not always depending on the team and how the ADPs fall and everything, but typically we're going to, we care a lot about our quarterback stack advancing because that's the one that we need to make the Super Bowl. And so that's why Will sliced it the way that he did here so that we're really able to kind of see, hey, if, if this team wins, if this team that I'm betting on going to the Super Bowl, you know, so they have to win all of their games to get there. You're going to do just fine as far as advancing this team. So really, I would I would say in this tournament, like worrying about advancing is something I almost don't care about until you get to the very extremes. Like when you're playing two bi-week teams to go to the Super Bowl or you're playing like, you know, three or four plus bi-week players or players that you know aren't going to be able to score points in week one of the playoffs, like, Jarek McKinnon, even though he doesn't have a buy, he's on IR. He won't even be eligible to play week one. So if you have three or more of those players that aren't eligible for week one, that's where I'll start to care a little bit about advancing. But honestly, guys, outside of that, like, and this data has just made me even more confident in it. Like, you know, keep calm and optimize for the conference championship round. You'll advance some teams. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Zach, when you when you think about advancing those teams with a bunch of bye weeks, are you now thinking a little bit more about trying to to make sure that you're you're getting that, that stacking element with you know whether it's a couple Rams or Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield as your quarterback? I mean, I know generally we want to do that to to limit the number of teams that we're making bets on uh, since teams get eliminated, but you know you can still kind of tack on that that stacking element. Um, with your with your Flacco's and Amari's and and you know the Bucks etc. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I I of course like you said we're already trying to do that to limit the total number of teams we're making bets on. But again, seeing this, you know, I talked about this a little bit in the article that when the underdog team that you've bet on, so like, well, at this point, it doesn't look like the Browns <laughs> are going to be an underdog in uh, in the first week of the playoffs. Um, <laughs> But like, let's talk about Tampa Bay. When when you bet on Tampa Bay, because they're, a, they're there you go. They're a team that you needed to advance a bye week stack that you've got. And so you go Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and maybe attack on either Rashad White or Chris Godwin because you were you were real thin. Maybe you got like five 49ers and Ravens between the two of them, right? And so you you got to go heavy on the Bucks. I mentioned this in the article that when those teams win, and thankfully Will Will did confirm my my work a little bit here, you're you're gonna be more likely to be getting this distribution from the favorable part of their range, right? Hey, the team won, we're more likely to be selecting from this subset of games where they scored more fantasy points. Um, and so I already was doing it, but I'm even more gung ho about it now, just seeing how this kind of shakes out that when I do get the absolute nuke game from the random quarterback, be it Joe Flacco or Baker Mayfield or Matt Stafford that I needed to advance, 
you know, I want to have pieces that are along for the ride there um, just with the way that these correlations shake out. So yeah, uh, unfortunately all of my Joe Flacco double stacks are probably going to get pretty prohibitively priced after <laughs> last night. <laughs> uh, one, one kind of like if we're pumping the brakes at all on the correlation, I, I guess I'd be curious, Will, to get your thoughts on like the correlation between Ferguson and Lamb, right? Both are very positively correlated to Dak, but even in the really good scenarios, like the 75th to yeah. the 90 tab and in the 90 plus tab, I do think not I real... bug here, by the way. I think this is oh. the correct one. I think this is uh, the wrong okay. one. Okay. I think they're, I think they're basically independent. They're basically independent was my, yeah, they're not, they're not like negatively correlated, but they're basically independent. That's not a problem with those two specifically in this contest, I don't think. Um, but it's not maybe the best thing when we're thinking about like, if you're taking, um, you know, it's hard to get a bunch of the 49ers together anymore, but you could potentially get uh, a start where you went like Debo, Ayuk and Kittle. You're not going to have Purdy there, you know. You're you're going to have to go AFC quarterback there. Maybe you go a Dolphins stack, but you're like, I've got three bringbacks on the 49ers side. Any like, you know, caution there if those guys are kind of a little bit more independent and you don't have the quarterback, which is the situation we're running into with San Francisco specifically, and those guys are going to cost you your your very high end picks in this in this tournament. Yeah, I mean it it looks interesting that definitely like they are so independent. This is even like in the best of Dak Prescott games. And I, it did, it does make sense because, you know, at the high end, they are competing for targets. Like, you know, there is the sense that like the rising tide raises all boats and the more they throw, the more targets there are for everyone. But, you know, there's only so many touchdowns and so many targets that can be split. Um, so I think like, it's definitely not what I would do. <laughs> Um, I, I probably wouldn't be going after three pass catchers, uh, especially given that like Pollard has a better correlation than I guess not with Lamb, but um, it, it feels less competitive on the high end. So what I'm what I'm hearing here is you're telling me to pump the brakes on my six and seven Chiefs builds. That's... Yeah, <laughs> that well, feels with the Chiefs though. You're taking them all maybe not all because Kelsey and Rice are, are going high. But I mean, if you're taking Tony and Watson and MVS, it's like, yeah, they probably independent or negatively correlated maybe. Cause in that case, you're like, actually they're, they're competing for routes. Yeah. But, but like, maybe you just have to be right on one of them because they're all so cheap. They're all your like last round picks. Yeah. That, you know does what make, I mean? that makes it a bit better than, I feel like if you're drafting Debo and A, which I guess are going in the top couple of rounds, um, then you're sacrificing other players that aren't competing for targets. What I'll say this made me think of is because for, for people that have been playing a lot of playoff basketball, when you do Chiefs, it's like you get the top Chiefs and then you spent relatively early draft capital on them. You might have one other team mixed in like you're, you know, you might have one 49er and four chiefs through the first five rounds, you know, or one cowboy or one Eagle and, and four chiefs. And then you kind of get to no man's land when you're playing the chiefs, you're like, okay, it's round six, all the good, like NFC bringbacks that I could have for the super bowl are kind of gone. And so you just end up thinking, well, 
I'm already saying the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, so let me just hammer Chiefs dart throws. But I think one thing that I want to start doing— This is doing, why we all have big bags of Jarek McKinnon. Yes. <laughs> well, one thing I want to do that I haven't been doing enough is explicitly drafting an AFC player on my in my Chiefs builds. It's a non-Chief that's for the purpose of getting me through those more difficult to advance rounds, you know, the round two, round three. Because I think that a lot of the people that are playing this contest the right way aren't doing that. As we, We've probably like swung the pendulum too far in the direction of like really consolidate your team bets. You know, It took us a week and now the pendulum's gone too far. <laughs> yes, I, I've been noticing it in my rooms. Like, like damn, these rooms are getting sharper. <laughs> so, But I think we've probably gone a little too far there where people are like, all right, I'm six Chiefs and I got my two Cowboys in there and I, I guess I'll throw in you know, one more chief and a random late dart throw cowboy. And I'm seven, three, seven chiefs, three cowboys. Instead, I think of adding that seventh chief. Now, what I'll probably do is like in a draft where Isaiah likely falls or like Odell Beckham, I'm like, well, I'm not getting this guy round one, but who cares? Round one is 33% to advance. Anyway, let me throw in a Raven who not a lot of people drafting a chief's heavy stack are going to have and then I've got that in round two as a potential way to unblock myself from a team that might have me dominated. And then that's a piece that can help me advance in the rounds where only 14% of the teams and 12.5% of the teams advance. So that's just kind of what I'm thinking of is maybe rather than going all the way down that rabbit hole of like getting six and seven players deep, if there are those players that project for a decent enough, you know, like I think that likely compared to say i'm taking like a uh um, richie james dart throw on the chiefs right like likely is definitely going to project a good amount better than richie james and so that's the situation where i'm willing to do it if they're like two equal parts dart throws like if it's between richie james and you know uh nelson aguilar yeah, Rashad Bateman, then it's oh. like, whatever, give me the one on the Chiefs because at least I get to take that to the Super Bowl too. You know, they're both dart throws. So let me get the one that I can take to the Super Bowl as well when I'm right. But when I get a better piece, like, you know, you get a Sam Laporta that slides on a, you know, a 49ers build. You're like, normally I wouldn't take this, but, you know, rather than going super deep on some team here, let me get Sam Laporta and he's specifically there to help me advance or, or something like that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, and the Ravens one is interesting because, yeah, they're going to have the bye. The Chiefs obviously help you get through the first round. Um, and then, you know, you have your Raven coming in in the rounds that are actually harder to advance in. So it's an advance rate play, but in kind of the right way. Um, well, I, we didn't ask you about this ahead of time either, but I know you've, you've talked about bringbacks. At, and uh, so I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts. Like, because as Zach mentions, the Ravens there with Chiefs builds, the goal is for that to be a bring back in the conference championship, right? You've got a Mahomes Chiefs build. Uh, you've got NFC teams coming back for the Super Bowl, but you got this OBJ uh, maybe likely as well. What are your what are your thoughts on on bringbacks kind of generally? And that's something that's like hard to predict that we're actually getting the bring back because we have to have the bracket play out right. right. But we're in a lot of ways kind of building with the hope of bringbacks in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, obviously I, I'm not a best ball guy. Um, I punted off just some random entries to start this year. Um, but, you know, if I feel like you're you're always drafting, assuming you're right, like you have, you know, yeah. here's what I expect to happen. And then I'm going to build for this scenario. Um, 
and obviously, I mean, like, you know, as we all know, in like DFS and everything, ringbacks are objectively good. Like, you know, there are the the shootout scenario is uh, very beneficial to both sides. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like that's that's definitely the right play. Can you? Because I I feel like there was some some anti bringback propaganda early in the season. Um, and can you just expand on your your thoughts on bringbacks being objectively good? Uh, yes. I mean, if you look at uh, again, this is why like why we broke it out into the four different categories. Because I think if you were to look at say, you know, I, I wish I had grabbed it in this case, but if you had looked at Amon Ross St. Brown or Sam Laporta or somebody here uh, during DAC ninety percentile games. I'd venture that they're all positively correlated with him, even though they may be neutral or possibly even, I doubt it's negative, but like essentially independent on the full range. But because these 90 percentile games are like games where Dak's throwing six touchdowns, like that's likely driving a lot more pass heavy offense from Detroit. And that's, you know, increasing targets for Laporta and Amon Ross and Brown. Um, So even, you know, I, I think I'm not sure what our correlation is. I, like for that game for like the full range of their outcomes but definitely have when i've looked at it before on the like high end of their outside we we used to look at something called upside correlation between players um it was something that was pushing for internally that um you know the the quarterback and uh, backup tight end or something like that might not have some might not have strong correlation but you know games where the backup tight end catches something um like when he has his 90th percentile game, he is obviously highly correlated with the quarterback because that's for the quarterback to have been throwing it to him implies that they threw a lot in the game, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I just pulled up the uh, correlation matrix for Dak um, on the SaberSim site. Yep. And here, let me let me share this just for, for anyone that doesn't use SaberSim. This is one of my, my favorite things here. Um, let's go ahead and share this here so this is Dak um, specifically for the detroit game that we've got tomorrow and we can see how he correlates across his entire range with every other player in the game across their entire range so obviously we've got this really uh highly positive correlation with cd lamb but with Amon Ra, who you know, not even on the same team as Dak, we've got a 12% correlation there across the whole range. And like Will was saying, you know, when we get into the really positive outcomes, you you would venture that that's probably an even stronger correlation there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think really this has just been enlightening for me to maybe put a little bit more emphasis on sprinkling in that fourth team in my build um in playoff basketball a lot of times you'll get three teams and you're like i could add you know usually for me it's i get an afc quarterback that i'm building for and then i get my two nfc teams that could be super bowl opponents to them i'm like i'll just leave off a, a little dart throw to the afc i'd rather just build out one of my you know i'll build out my primary afc stack and that's how i'm gonna go but I really think here that if I'm given the opportunity to get a player that projects, you know, even a little bit better than one of the dart throw players that I would take to build out my deeper stack, I want to lean into that more than I have already. I think that's a, a weakness that I've had previously. And, you know, what's funny to me is I run into this a lot with the tool giving me a suggestion where it's like, I've got Lamar and I've got two 49ers pieces 
and it's it's telling me to take Rashi Rice here. I don't want to take Rashi Rice. He's never going to play in the Super Bowl for me. It's Lamar. And I really feel like I need to uh, instead when I get to those spots and be like, you know what? You're right. Let me just take Rashi Rice here. If Zay Flowers comes back to me, cool. I get Zay and Rashi and that's fine. And if Zay doesn't come back to me, whatever. By the time I need a full five-man stack that's Ravens 49ers here, it's the Super Bowl. It's going to be me and like six other teams that can even feel the five-man stack. So Rashad Bateman and Nelson Aguilar are going to be the nuts anyway. You know, like they'll be fine. So I definitely want to keep my mind open to really those those four team builds and playing like I'm nailing the exact teams that make the conference championship round. Well, Sacco, so that's I think that makes a lot of sense if you're going Ravens, you tack on a Chief, you tack on a Dolphin, you know, maybe maybe it's A-chan that you tack on as an advance rate piece, right? With the with the Ravens thing. And Ravens have a first round buy, so we need to advance at around one, you know, somehow anyway. So those guys are kind of ideal. But if we think about like on the NFC side, you think about like a team like the Lions, like if you're building a 49ers um, type build and you're tacking on like that fourth team as, as Lions and you already feel pretty good about your chances of getting out around one. What, how do you think through the downside of losing that fourth team before they ever get to the conference championship? Cause I I'm pretty convinced by, you know, the, the data that we've looked at today that, you know, okay, maybe that extra dart throw is not as valuable as, you know, a, a legitimate projectable piece that's going to help you advance in either round two or round three, but not if they're not in round three. Yeah. So I think, I think it's going to be case by case, which I know people love that answer. Like, well, sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that, you know, people just want the the one magic bullet answer. But I think, it's really case by case and you want to consider a lot of different factors when you're making your decision. The primary driving factor for me for almost all of my decisions on, on how I'm drafting and playoff best ball is what's the probability that this team makes the conference championship. Right. So like when I'm looking at, you know, Detroit or Philly or Dallas, like they're all decent enough odds to make the conference championship where I don't feel like I'm getting crazy thin. But when I start going further and I'm like, now I'm looking at Tampa Bay or I'm looking at the Rams or, you know, I'm, I'm looking on the AFC side and I've got like, what if the Steelers make the playoff? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I do think that we probably should steer away from mixing too many of those into our portfolio. And, and I do think that by being greedy in some draft rooms, really trying to push stuff like, like when I was talking about the Lamar build and saying, hey, I'll take Rashi Rice and I'll, I'll see if I can push Zay Flowers. In those builds where you get really greedy and it gets blown up, it, it doesn't work out the way that you wanted, you don't get that super team. Those can be the opportunities then for you to sometimes do some of this thinner stuff. You're like, shoot, everything blew up in my face. I kind of have to do Rams here. Like, I don't want to do a ton of Rams because I don't think they're really making the conference championship all that often, but you know, this is the spot I got to do them in. And so I think that if we think of it as a way to naturally get some portfolio diversification in there while trying to pursue teams that could be extremely positive expected value by just swinging for the fences and taking some risks on pushing guys where we can, I think that's the way that I want to kind of go about it if I explain that all right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, Anything else we should cover? 
I, I didn't have anything else. I'm just super grateful for Will to, you know, for taking the time to put together all that data for us. And I, I really, I had been, you know, kind of tinkered around with stuff on, on my own and I had come to some conclusions. So I was like, I would love if someone smarter <laughs> than me would check my work. So felt super appreciative that Will was able to, uh, to give us this time today. So thank you very much for coming on the show with us, man. Yeah, no, it was great. Now, right after this, I'm going to go do some playoff best ball drafts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we've got him hooked. Uh oh, I, I think we've we've created a monster. I, I really was enjoying when Will was not a best ball bro. So we can go back to that. <laughs> Zach is determined to ruin the edge in this game. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to we're going to nuke it next year. It's going to be entirely solved. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, you know, maybe we get a big bit and filled at least, you know, but uh <laughs> But Will, thanks again for for coming on. This has been awesome. Um, make sure to do anything you want to plug over at, at SaberSim, Will. Uh, not particularly, other than you know, I love working on the models at SaberSim. I really think that we have the best uh, best approach for it. Um, hope you guys check it out. Awesome. All right, we'll be back at you next week. We're gonna uh, talk some more playoff best ball, probably on the premium side. Uh, we, we have a premium podcasts that we're doing as well in addition to uh, the, the regular podcast channel. But um, yeah, we'll have more content for you next, year, next week. Good luck in your drafts, and we'll see you later.